This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupper and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we spend some time on the local council and figure out how you can predict the lottery numbers. So on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of the sinner and the Sandman? A retired local psychic, the great Astrodamus, predicts a winning set of lottery numbers years before they are drawn. Do you know what? Like, as a setup, if it was that, <laughs> and if this episode was 30 minutes long, I'd be like, that is, that is cool. That is a cool little mystery. I don't mind it at all. It's a very um, cool mystery. It's different. It's not It's not a murder, which is good to have no. that variety. Um, Do you know what would have really helped this? If at the beginning of episode one, right, of this series, they live in this town and you meet all these characters and... It's kind of like Cabot Cove in Murder, She Wrote, where you know the hairdresser, you know the postman, you know the sheriff. Like, and that's what it's set up because it does kind of do like a little hot fuzzy type thing where all the characters seem to matter. And you and they're at like, uh, I don't even know what that is, like a ta- little town meeting, like yeah. a very intimate town meeting. So you get a sense that where they live is a very, very small place. And, I was, and I'm like, if it was that, what that is really good and also if you want to keep doing funny stuff Renwick you get a lot of funny stuff out of that because you get a lot of like Jonathan in a small town type thing you know they don't do that (laughs) and also if the season was six episodes (laughs) three episodes three episodes and two of the episodes you introduce a giant cast of characters so they've made the decision (laughs) to fully move into Polly's home haven't they that's That's what they've done and immediately they're on the town council yeah, they go in straight away. But that's the thing is like, that suggests to me that a bit of time has passed, but it really hasn't because they're still doing it up. It's odd. It's really odd. But I was like, I really like that idea of them going to the country and like, you know, they're London marketing people, but now they have to deal with the local reverend and stuff like that. It's like, you get quite a lot of fun stuff out of that, but that's they don't, they never lean into it fully in a, in a similar way. It's like, like Renwick just kind of feels like he doesn't have the balls to just go this is what this show is now right like yeah. it's a retired ingenieur it's a retired conjuring man we'll never talk about the magic town. yeah well occasionally uh, in this episode there's an old magician what yeah <laughs> yeah it's like I also really like that um Polly is so open to magic when it doesn't involve Jonathan. Yeah. Anytime it's a magician be, or anything involved, I must be, she's fucking banging to I it. must be gutting for him. Yeah. It's like a couple of episodes ago when Joey was telling her like how the trick was done. She fucking loved it. As soon as Jonathan's involved, oh, no, nah, shit, I hate you. Was he involved? Oh. It's like last episode. Oh, they go into watch a theatre show about a locked room. She's like, this is perfect. This is fantastic. I love locked rooms. He's like, you like locked rooms? Because I know, oh, shut up, John. I don't want to hear about your locked room. Jack Holiday. <laughs> shut up. God, it's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely mad. So also, um, this all the whole thing kind of starts with um, Jonathan now is just dog's body again, like he was for Adam. He's just being pushed around mm. by Polly going, can you just go pick up this man and take him to his doctor appointment? <laughs> <laughs> can I pick up Mr. Ipswich? He's like, oh, I can't do it, but Jonathan will do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're they're like really into the town. 
Like he's like, yeah, he's just helping out everyone now, which is really nice. Like you should be helping out Mr. Ipswich, but like not when he's also got a marketing job in the city. Oh, it's mad, absolutely mad. Hey, for a crap, <laughs> for a crap local magician, he's got a banging poster. Yeah, really, really good. But that's the kind of thing. Is like I don't know. I don't know, like, is he meant to be really shit? Because well, the flashback video makes out that he's crap. The flashback video, which I feel like oh. they put no effort into making it look... They shot, they shot it on a red camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, I'll tell you what, after having watched all of the episodes in, like, potato quality, it is nice to have Jonathan Creek in, like, full widescreen yeah. HD. It looks wow, lovely. I'm nostalgic for the originals, though. I think he has to look a bit... I think if we ever succeed in bringing him back, we've got to shoot it with original BBC 1997 cameras. Oh, that actually would be quite funny, yeah. But isn't it strange, like, to have... Like, as you say, like, 1997 is when this started. So now we... So, well, it was like, yeah, like, almost 16, 17 years later. And nobody feels like they're having fun. <laughs> It's like, I, I, I honestly, I struggle with these episodes because I just feel like I have no idea why they were made. I really don't. Well, we said this in the last episode. It is evolved into this small town soap opera sitcom. Yeah. And everything that we knew about Jonathan doesn't really seem to be relevant in these episodes anymore. No. And then that's the biggest problem I have is all this character that I loved and followed on all these adventures also kind of seems incidental. This could have been a, a different thing. <laughs> It could be just a local a new character almost. The magic thing is irrelevant. Yeah. And his past yeah, is irrelevant. His past relationships are irrelevant. You know, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, like, I, I couldn't even name you one, but it feels like Martin Clunes is in about 40 of the series where it's just like the show is about nothing other than the fact that uh, there's a man in a town. And I feel like maybe Renwick, because it is sticking in my head, that interview he did where he was just like, it's very hard to get a new thing off the ground. But you're just like, what was the... It, it, it does sound like it'd be really hard because, Renwick, if this is the thing that you wanted to get off the ground, yeah. <laughs> you take Jonathan Creek out of this, what the fuck is this program? It's like crap dibbly. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it is just this very cosy, pleasant hour. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what like the clue like Dot Martin. It's just it's quite a pleasant, isn't it? I bet. I mean, it's barely any drama or anything like that. But it's like, I, it, what you did have was essentially a murder mystery show or a mystery. The show. magic thing was a big thing of it. I'm gonna maintain and, that until my dying day. So if you take that out, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I I really really don't. I'd love to actually sit down with because like. I feel like in all the interviews I've ever done, right, with people, I very rarely have done an interview with someone who is not trying to sell a thing. Mm. <laughs> so I feel like it would be nice to sit down with Renwick and be and talk to them and talk to him, and, and not uh, you know, okay, what, what have you got coming out? You've got one foot in the grave twenty years out on coming out this week. Oh, but remember when you did Jonathan Creek? Um, so it, you could like it would be interesting to also be like without being rude why <laughs> what was the pitch for the season is it is it just money you know what i would be quite horrified about having that conversation is if it becomes apparent that we think more about jonathan creek than he did if we go off and go but why like given that this happened and what he says in satan's chimney why did that go into relationship with was like what what's that i think the more of these episodes that we get to watch i think that that is true uh, the closest that I think I can get to it is I once had to interview, had to, 
got to interview uh, Robert Zemeckis um, after his after four while he was on the promotion trail for his film The Wire. Is it The Wire, Matt? Like which is yeah, it's a, Man on Wire. It's the yeah, the Man on Wire documentary kind of made real the walk, uh, ju- the walk maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's a it's it's a awful film. It's not a good film, but obviously the opportunity comes in to interview Robert Zemeckis. I grew up watching Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. Like, yes, I'm absolutely going to do that. And it was approaching the time, I think it was, is it 2016, where which is the date that they go to in Back to the Future? I can never remember anymore now because there's been so many fake ones. Yeah. But it was, it was approaching that time anyway. That everyone was calling Back to the Future Day. And it was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get an interview Robert Zemeckis two months before Back to the Future Day. And this is going to be great. And then you sit down and then you just go, he, it feels like he, either he doesn't care as much as I do, or he's just lived with, you know, all these years, all these decades of people only wanting to ask him about Back to the Future all the time, which is absolutely fine. You probably would get annoyed by that. But yeah, I, I came out of that interview so sad and I kind of just like sat in the green room afterwards for about 10 minutes, just going like, that was shit. Because he, he just didn't care. Did he, he didn't you care. Off? He didn't care. He didn't care that I cared. And it was like, I think I asked him like, oh, you know, like, what do you think they, what do you think the characters would be doing? He was like, made a whole film about what they'd be doing. So just watch that. And I was like, oh, that's no, okay. Do you, me, give, bad, yeah. do you want to give me something, Bob? Maybe it was a bad question, but, you know. I was like, I was obviously, like, look at the fucking state on me. Like, obviously I was into Back to the Future as a kid. And he just didn't give a shit. And I kind of, maybe that would happen with Renwick. But Renwick didn't fucking make Forrest Gump after, did he? So he's just made One Foot in the Grave yeah. and Jonathan Creek. Whoa, 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 so, whoa, whoa. <laughs> rarely does so, one come along in a lifetime <laughs> so i feel like if i was if we if we interviewed him and were very excited there's no way that he can't be as excited as we are about jonathan creek i'm gonna let's That's... see oh, we got email his agent <laughs> but the only thing is i won't want it we're sending some of the early episodes send him episode one send yeah. him episode one we fucking loved it like and we still, that's the thing. I do, even, I think it's because- Even we, though- Also, it's almost like classic, it's like we grew up with it. So we have a very yeah. strong idea of what this character is, which is obviously what's commonly parodied. <laughs> it is commonly parodied in this fucking series, like in the show. Like whenever they run into anybody that is a little bit fond of Jonathan Creek, it's absolutely played as mugs. Why'd you like any of that? Look at these fucking nerds. And that's what it's going to be like. Um, oh, God. Okay. Well, the method then. Um, so, Astrodamus never predicted the numbers. Instead, he'd written down the phone numbers of his friends William and Winifred on the wall while he was painting. Uh, and these numbers were used by their son as his lucky lottery numbers. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's one of those elegant things where you break down a coincidence Yes. And you're almost yeah, looking yeah. down the telescope from the wrong way and you go, oh, it's not, it's more, I've made this into more of a coincidence because human beings like to attribute more meaning to shit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's quite, there's something quite lovely about it as mm. well. Because I think like that's what you could have made the show. Like Jonathan Creek solving like really banal stuff. 
Like, there's almost a finding a love in that. Yeah. yeah. But then that's the, to your point then, like in the first, they're not going to London anymore. No. Yeah. They're just in this town and it's almost like, um, oh, you know, Michael Shabon, the author. Yeah. He wrote a novel where he never names the character, but he writes mm. a story that is the final Sherlock Holmes story. And, sh- right, and he okay. never calls him Sherlock, but it's about a retired beer keeper in a village. Right. And he com- he basically solves a local crime. And the only thing oh. that identifies him really as Sherlock, it was a few things, but also that he's a beekeeper, which is said right. in one of the stories. Do that with Jonathan. Yeah. And he's got like a little room in the house where he keeps all his magic stuff. And it's not yeah. denied. And it's like, that would be a cool send off. Because then you can, you can have these little storylines as well. Like the letters, you can have the Septimus Noon letters. You can have all that happen alongside it. But what he's solving is really, really small things. I think it's in a similar thing as like, oh yeah, that um, you said, you mentioned Sherlock, but it's like that uh, the film recently came out, which had bloody Magneto in it. Yeah. And he he played Sherlock Holmes, like a, like a really, really old, yeah. And it's like, it's him being really old and like turning something very small into something really large. And it's like, I like that. I don't mind that. I, don't, I actually don't yeah. mind that. But at least that note, I, I need to know that the show knows that that's what it is. Yeah. And then all these things and changes Jonathan play into that concept. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like you can have Polly rather than being quite mean spirited about him. She can kind of like almost have it as like, oh, he's doing one of his yeah. mysteries again. Like you can have like a love. Yeah. And now it's his hobby. It's a hobby. Whereas for so long it overtook and ruined his life. It's this thing because the, there is dialogue going you just can't stop, can you? It's like, yeah, but it's like now his little thing that he tinkers with, like a train set in the attic. That's the thing is like once it's a, it's a really unsatisfying thing when you're watching a show or a film, like when you're watching something and as an audience member, you don't know what the rules of the world are. And you're just like, I don't know what the rules of this world are because it's like, is, is Polly into it or not? Because she fucking goes along with a bunch of stuff and then now and then, but doesn't miss an opportunity to fucking stick the knife in and go magic shit. <laughs> but also like, like, in terms of like rules as well, like thick comedy coming from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but also tied to some of the old Creek episodes, there almost needs to be a sense of active peril or threat. Yes. So we have the robbers in this episode. Oh my God. God. completely unnecessary yeah and we'll, i'm sure we'll cover them in other bits coming up in the yeah, elements definitely. but that's yeah, that yeah. thing where if he's just retired to this village and having a very quiet life it doesn't mm. need to be stuff like that in it i don't think yeah so yeah so what are the what are the clues of uh, so in I- in the room there's a phone socket that's been filled yeah. in so i guess that kind of factors into the idea that he might have been on the phone speaking to someone and writing down they had phones yeah. and that's maybe a bit of a clue. The bit of plaster that falls out, which has a plus sign on. So mm. it's like, makes it more clear that it's saying will plus win yes. rather than yeah, the yeah. phrase will win. But I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. the fact that they find that kind of you go, yeah, it fits in there. Fits in it perfectly. Yeah. That's really odd, that is. And I don't really get the baby monitor crying epiphany. I don't know if that's more of an epiphany of realising of how they're finding out information on them. I, yeah, I kind of, I don't know if it's just because I didn't care, but all of that Jared Christmas thing with him, <sighs> like, they kind of like, you know, almost 
strangely call him like a beast is seen with green eyes and they, they, it was about how the baskervilles that it is a bit but they don't lean into it almost nearly enough for it to be a thing I mean, it's got a lot of screen time. If you're in any doubt still about Mr. Stebbing's beast from hell, then this bin bag should pretty much seal it. Even the most prodigious of carnivores don't tend to be that handy with a standing knife. You put this together with that handprint over there and the two glowing green eyes. You know what? What on earth are you suggesting? So what is it the the sort of the small town people are trying to find out information about them by hacking into the the people who run the local paper? Right, okay. uh, just so they can find stories. So they're going around. He's listening to. He's going through rubbish, and they're like listening mm. to baby monitors and listening to private conversations just for stuff for the local paper. Yeah, but also like the last episode, we've got that. We've also got obviously the main thing. The A plot is Astrodamas. We also have yeah. this weird poly Sandman repressed memory. Oh trauma, yeah, which is half of the title. Yeah. <laughs> He really likes Polly, Renwick, doesn't he? Like all the titles are always about her. <laughs> so that's just a weird little subplot about. Well, it's almost shot like The Exorcist as well. It is terrifying. So, I when he was coming up the stairs because I've got we've talked about it on this podcast, but I've got like that same fear from when I was a kid because my landing was above my room was above the landing, like looking down. And I was always afraid that someone was going to be coming up the stairs when I was mm. a kid. That coming up, like I was watching it with uh, Clara. Like my, the hairs on my arms were standing on head. I was like, ah, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I was genuinely terrified uh, watching it. Cause it's fucking disgusting. And I just, it's almost, a, well, this is how it plays. I wasn't sure, mm. but she doesn't know what it means. Until yeah. the end, and it's almost this repressed memory unfurl unfurls itself. And yeah. she says, I didn't know what a vet was. So they told me the story about the Sandman. I was like, well, they succeeded in making it way scarier and traumatic than just going, yes. this is what a vet is. And yeah. this is what putting your rabbit to sleep is. So they made it for fucking animals. They Easy. made it so terrifying that she had to repress the entire thing. To the point also, that she doesn't even remember why there's carrots planted in her back garden. Yeah. That is some seriously fucked up stuff that you've done to your kid there. Yeah. But also, do you know what's really sad is like, I don't care about Polly. So it's like this mad thing where you've got this huge part of this of this episode where it's like, why am I meant to care about Polly when all Polly does is slag off the person that I love? Yeah. It's really strange. It's and that like, she's meant care. to love. Yeah. But... I, it's really odd. And the thing is, I think this they could have probably done more with the Ostradamus because yeah. so much screen time is spent with this walkie-talkie baby monitor stuff, Twitcher yeah. the Rabbit, is you have to have this really inelegant scene and reveal where they go to the underpass and confront the Salvation Army man. And the oh, other yeah. guy who bought like found the um, lottery ticket just come... And they explain it in just such a clunky, drawn-out way. It takes ages. Yeah, and even though I understand <laughs> why that number's on the wall, yeah. I actually make, think listen to it makes it sound more confusing. Yeah, it really does. So what was the real story here? The words underneath had to be the trigger. We'll win. Just a bit too good to be true. But with that little symbol in between them, not... A cross, I would suggest, but a plus sign 
all a bit more mundane. Just the whole idea of him being the son of someone, they, it's, they just relay it, and I think in a... Because re- you've not seen them find it out gradually. Yeah. It gets all just dropped on you in a really weirdly staged reveal in this underpass. It's a really staged one. It's like Skid Row in LA. And also it just goes on for so long. Can I just ask a question? Because I don't know if it quite makes sense. <laughs> when he's dressed up as the Salvation Army man, he looks quite disheveled. Yeah. Mm. In the flashback when he's buying the lottery ticket, he looks really rich and put together. Yeah. And he drops the lottery ticket. Why don't you just buy another one? I find, yeah, that is really strange. Because I was like, oh, is it already won? Because then you'd be out of your mind. But it's not out of his mind because it hasn't. No. Because we see subsequently the man sees the numbers being drawn out live. Yeah. When he's in bed with some woman, which is yeah, a crazy yeah. scene. Um, so I just don't know why you didn't buy another because you would be good wouldn't you well you just would wouldn't you because <laughs> you've played that for what is it like 30 years or something like that it's like the yeah. one week that you just go ah don't worry about it I'm not that into it anyway yeah. you are because you've been doing it for 30 years yeah and I know they make out that other guy who I assume is the sinner of the tile mm. has been a bit of a bit of an arse but I mean He's just found a lottery ticket. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like he stole yeah. it. He just found it on the floor. When I were, this might even come to pass and bite me in the ass, but um, when I was at university, because we were all into Lost, uh, me and one of my housemates used to take her in turns buying the Lost numbers. Mm. Um, I've, obviously, since we moved out, you know, I haven't been in university for 10 years. He still plays them. Um, cause we have a, like a big joke. I was like, will you buy me a house if you win the lottery? He's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. You can get a house. But like, he still plays them now. And like, I've just not never felt compelled to do it. Even though it's very easy to do the lottery now, like online you have and stuff like that. Like, like, yeah, you literally like, you don't have to do anything. You just, you could just go on the national lottery website, put the numbers in, have those go. Part of me is like, you might as well. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you might, is that right though? That like, you might as well, but I don't know. But it, yeah, I've never done it, so you know it could. In that many years, it's never yeah, happened. Because I so. thought, even watching it as it was being revealed, I thought it was going to be something more intentionally evil's maybe too big a word, but malicious that they were part of a syndicate. Right. Yeah. And he stole the money. It's not even that. He just finds it outside a petrol station. It's not even. Yeah. I thought there might have been a bit more to it as well, but it's not really. And that's the thing: is like someone just dropping it. And then someone immediately finding it and walking away with it. It doesn't feel elegant as a thing. Yeah. And also, as you say, like it opens up all these different things where you're just like, just go buy another one. Go what is one. good about, like, I do like the central mystery. And it also reminds me of some of the good Jonathan Creeks where the mystery comes about not through intention or an individual's design. It's yeah. just misinterpreting what's happened. That is really interesting. And that happens in a lot. We've got a lot of Jonathan Creeks. We've had someone evil has tried to do something and disguise their actions and then other times we have ones that just look fantastical because of like things happen and you can't you can't really see it for what it is yeah and people just extrapolating the wrong information like i love that yeah Uh, so i think in that sense it's great it's just again buried with a lot of um a lot of other stuff around it but that's the thing it's like before i was talking about last episode like if you make those characters people that I now care about, it's absolutely fine to have all these other things going around all around it. What isn't all right is to introduce 40 characters at the beginning of an episode and go, right, care about these motherfuckers. Can you explain to me why Hugh and Alison couldn't have been Sharon from the last episode? Absolutely, yeah. 
Because they've no got sense. they could just reuse those characters. Yeah. Instead of setting up entirely new ones. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's really sad. Unless does it cost more money to have yeah. recurring characters? Maybe than it or does maybe you want to cast those singles? actors like almost like guest stars, like small Yeah. The woman who plays Allison in this, her voice yeah. is identical to Mrs. Meldrew. It's because it's his daughter it's her daughter. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I checked it. Still, it's mad, isn't it? That's great. Yeah. Because there's a bit where I was just looking away, it was like her voice is identical. Her voice and her, her mouth and teeth are the exact same thing. So yeah, it's her daughter. Right. It's really strange. But even that's um, cool because you don't often get kids sounding nah. exactly like their parents. That's it is a, mad yeah. how much like she sounds like her. Um, yeah, I had to look it up because it was freaking me out. In the words of Ebenezer Scrooge, I'll retire to Bedlam. That's why we call them your flock, darling, because they behave like sheep. Mm. Did you get the bread rolls? Last two in the shop. It's like a plague of locusts have been through. Okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal, but there are other elements which make up every episode of Jonathan Creek, including what I think is now my favourite element, um, because it is essentially 90% of every Jonathan Creek now. But Oh, this series, the, yeah. <laughs> the Victor Meldry Award for most unbelievable scene. Um, I feel like the whole robbers thing. The, the setup at the beginning is very good. Yeah. It's a it's really, really good, good sitcom moment. Dare say they'll take a minute to get here, but how far is the nearest police station anyway? It's got to be ten miles. Oh, not gonna hear a signal. Oh bugger. Um, but I actually I put this in that all right, but we'll talk about it now because we're talking about it. Like the couple, the actual real couple, being really pissed off that Jonathan is t- has let them go and tied up rather mm. than being genuinely worried for him. Yeah. Also, that's a good bit of casting on the guy because he looks like a yeah. wrongin. So he that's really a good does, to... Yeah. It's good for that one beat to wrong foot you and you go, Polly's in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not that's a, right. that's a really good setup. That's a really good setup, that is. That is good um, situational comedy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I think that for sure... Um, Jonathan as a cherub, yeah, like being drawn with a little dick. <laughs> it's just, and also like him getting annoyed by her as well. It's really, really good. Like throughout the episode, that's quite Meldrew. Like it coming back and back, like him getting more annoyed. Like that's quite yeah. often now in these episodes. Him getting wound up by stuff. Yeah, there's a little. I didn't write it down, but there's a little joke about the curls, and it's like meant to be about his hair, I think, uh, but yeah. also refers curl. to the fact that it's got a tiny little penis. Um, which I kind of like. This is really strange, and I would put it higher in the Victor Meldrew thing. Uh, Did they not just reuse it loads? Like, Jonathan spraining his wrist, hitting the ketchup bottle. Uh, But that's used uh, as such a function that I'm like, no. Yeah, I've put a lot of that in another category. It's just, Mm. why is that suddenly a thing? Why is it suddenly a character trait that Jonathan has no self-awareness of what he's doing or saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the thing about him spraining his wrist, hitting the ketchup, like the actual thing is like, he's a really clever man. He would know that the best way to get ketchup out is to do the cool little, like, blade thing with your hand and hit the, like, middle bit of it, you know? For, a 45-degree angle. You hit the you hit the, the number Exactly, on it. yeah. Like, he would, he would know that because in a different world, he's showing someone how to I mean, do that going oh we know you catch about that i'll show you we we know he's conversant with engineering and physics exactly of course exactly. He's, he's jonathan creek unless you forget uh, that's all i got for victor meldrum 
It's got to be the robbers. Also, what yeah. a wild decision to put them in the screen masks. Yeah, why? It's kind of like the alien thing. From like, It's so distracting. Just put them in any of your mask or put them in just... Or just anything that's not the scream ghost face mask. I don't get it. I really don't get it because then you have all these connotations with the film series Scream. Like, they come in and you're like, holy shit, they're going to murder them. Well, they turn up at the end as well. Again, just have that peril. It doesn't need it. No, it lives in a little sleepy town. Because most of the time, it, it's just a bit naff. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't do it well. And no one is um, in actual danger. Because no. you know they're not going to follow up on it, so... Absolutely not. No, even when they're fucking chucking petrol over them uh, or fake petrol, which is actually apple juice. What about the thing that's dated the most? I don't actually have anything for this. I don't really... The digital sign on the town hall community centre? It's yeah, like just a bad guess, effect. Yeah. It's probably not even that yeah. bad, to be honest. I don't really have anything. Just, it's hard, though, because we're getting quite close to now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, most British thing, him saying, oh, bugger. Bugger that's is good. It's just British, isn't it? Um, I've just put the whole thing now. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole setting. I've put the whole setting, what Jonathan Creek has become. We're stuck mm. in a small village and it's just parochial. And but just also the that's thing. the thing is like, I generally don't mind it. I, I love, I actually quite like the setting. And I think if they used it properly, it would open up such a big opportunity for, for a new type of avenues thing, yeah. of storylines like i've never thought about it. that until we've had this conversation but i totally i can see that but we know yeah. if nothing you like setting up a premise and never using it joey's website yeah. sight and sound I, it was yeah. eyes and ears even <laughs> eyes and ears sight yeah. and sound is the bfi magazine <laughs> yeah it's like that's the thing but also i feel like in britain we would lean into that way more as well be like He's moved back to the countryside, mm. like fucking Rosemary and Time style. The, the village years, um, yeah. Which I'm fine. I'm fine with them doing it because it does a cool thing where, yeah, like Sherlock is filmed in such a way that it makes the city feel cool. But then you just go, you could put him anywhere, really. Mm. Um, whereas this, you're just like, this could only be here, which I kind of like. I I did put actually having like such big bowls of crisps for a get to family get together but i guess you have chips and dip in america yeah. don't you, and stuff like that so but i think it's just like our oh, crisps because i know the types of crisps those are they're definitely the walker sensations it's thai sweet red chili since it's which a, the, a bit slightly posher yeah but it's the only ones that people buy for like get togethers what do we have what did you buy the other day because we went to the park and got pissed the other day what did you uh, which ones like, did you buy it's like we went m&s which is something i would go to an m&s for a picnic yeah, because uh, they do a lot of the work for you with their selection. Mm. Um, they were like chicken wings, so like chicken wings, but with habanero. Yeah, flavor they were good. Oh, that was good. That was yeah. Um, that's all I got for most British thing. Same. That all right? We talked about you know the uh, the the for some reason the couple getting really angry mm. um, with Jonathan for getting tied up, and no one, even Polly, is just like, oh Jonathan. It's like no, he's just been tied up by two people. It could have been killed it could have been hurt if we were meant to get anything from those scream masks they were gonna murder him so i mean imagine really that like your partner was just tied up by some robbers and you're not yeah. like oh my god are you okay i think although to be fair her dad died last episode he didn't fucking ask her so died, it shit. <laughs> i think on the subject of her dad though the way they handled this fucking bunny being put to sleep it's terrifying but also like shutting the door 
uh, on her. Like, that's such a horrible little scene, that is. This creepy old man comes out. But, Why don't they just take the bunny away? And be like, yeah. It's bad parenting. Because also, isn't like a, a, a rabbit dying a good opportunity to teach a yeah. kid about death? Like, my rabbit was put down when I was a kid. And I knew what yeah. was happening. And then my mum and dad used that as a jumping off point to right. explain death. Which was really lucky because loads of people died <laughs> in the subsequent years. So it really, really gave me a good grip on it. Um, I had a bunny um, that uh, we basically, we had next door neighbours and we had like a, a wooden fence that was started on a patio and then went down onto the grass. But obviously the patio is like, you know, a, like half a foot high. So you had to have like, um, we had these breeze blocks underneath the um, mm-hmm. fence and the bunny dug underneath one of the breeze blocks and the breeze block crushed its head. So that's how my bunny died when I was a kid. And did they hide that uh, from me? I can still later? hear, I, I you have to sometimes late at night, I still hear <laughs> the screaming of the bunny when it had his head. Is that why you went, is that why you ran away all the way? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how my bunny died. But yeah, I, I feel like the way they handle that, they're like, let's get this creepy as fuck old man to come around and scare the shit out of her and it will actually break her brain for the rest of her life. Yeah. Why is the, why is the guy from Phantasm bunny <laughs> It makes, he looks like a fucking character from Buffy. Like, it yeah, looks like, like a, a fucking demon. Yeah. Like, that is insane. Like, if it was a lovely looking old, Exorcist. An exorcist has come around. If it was a lovely little old lady, fine. Absolutely. Mrs. Sandman's going to come around. She's going to give me a lolly after. It's going to be lovely. No, you invite this creepy-ass old guy to come around. No, I didn't like that at all. Just, she didn't know what a vet was and she had a pet. She shouldn't be having a pet if she didn't know what a vet was. I I think there's an an easy conversation to be had there. It's an easy conversation to have there. I've put... Uh, at the town hall meeting so they redo the sign just making loads of jokes about sexual harassment yeah just like it's just a bit of fun it's, that's really not alright that is I think that's quite th- I, obviously it just shows you what's happened between even 2014 and now yeah I mean it's literally still happening this week where it's just like people you know we've done it in our industry where you know oh yeah he's just a bit creepy oh he's just a bit like no mm. that person has been causing someone actual heartache and pain stop making a fucking joke about it it just shows you that this how this is normalizes it because it's just a punchline and a joke and it's like oh this guy was just ugh um, the other thing I put is I don't really know where else to put this but I'll put mm. it in here because I don't think it's alright obviously in a lot of these episodes Jonathan's going having dinners with Polly's friends yeah and Polly like talk, tells um, Jonathan this guy is a wrestling critic for Sky. Yeah, and John and Jonathan says, "Oh, it's, oh, that's like pointlessness cubed." You used to come up with magic tricks. Why is he just a prick now? Yeah, I think that's such a horrible thing to say. Oh, it's po- you don't even know the guy. You obviously don't like wrestling, but it's a form of entertainment that doesn't have a practical purpose, like magic. And he just completely dismisses it and is rude and a prick to boot. The older that I get, the more interested I am in what people do because uh, we, well, we're very lucky that we do have interesting jobs. Like, that's fine. And I can talk about us having fun and stuff like that. But like, I do genuinely like hearing about people's things. If someone was like, I'm a wrestling critic of Sky, I would be like, this is going to be a good night. Yeah. I'm going to find out about a world that I didn't know fuck all about. Like that's really interesting, and I don't. And I, I just feel like 
to have a wrestling critic for Sky living in this tiny sleeping little village, I'd be like, this is going to be great. I'm going to find out loads of cool shit. No, I'm gonna be a dick about it. I know he can be, he can, he can be pedantic. He can be a hypochondriac. Yeah, he can be fussy. Mm. Jonathan Creek isn't a dickhead, is he? Where's well, the thing? That's just that's just rude and yeah. like mean spirited. And I think the more and more that this goes on, the sad realization starts to set in. Daniel, I don't know what Jonathan Creek is or what he likes anymore. I don't know what his personality is. And this is someone that I've spent time with by this point for almost 20 years on and off for five years now. Like sometimes, um, but like, truly know someone maybe I, I have, I have no idea what this character is. And it's really sad because at the beginning, I feel like I knew exactly what this character was. So long ago, we met the man in the windmill. I know, but it's like, do you know what? That is a really, big failing i feel like where i feel like i knew more about him in episode one of jonathan creek than i do in episode 29 of jonathan creek and he's just mm. like how can i have a better understanding of his character in the pilot episode than i, I can 20 years later i know you just told me he likes oranges yeah <laughs> i thought he liked cheese sandwiches but okay let's open up the grot cabinet <laughs> like all the stuff about the sauce. Have you written some of them down? Yeah. Whacking the ketchup. Smacking the sauce out. <laughs> scattering his seed. <laughs> what? How does he not know? He's a smart man. Also, just the fact that she just thinks he's openly talking about wanking. Yeah. <laughs> That's her go-to with it. She just goes, oh, your husband just loves talking about it. And she's fucking <laughs> furious about it as well. Which I really like. Yeah, that's all, that's pretty much all the grot cabin and that stuff I got. Yeah, it's, it's quite these nice. episodes are not as grotty. No, 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 no. They're just full of melders, yeah. But he's a married man now, so. Okay, let's go on to the romance update then with Polly. I think, like, again, why am I, why do I, why am I meant to care about Polly? She's so mean to Jonathan. She's, like, so dismissive of him. She's, why, why am I meant to care? Also, that's... Just from these next episodes, I've only ever watched once, as I've said. I don't even know if that's something that by the end she's like, oh, okay, I'll stop being such a dick about the magic. I think it's a, yeah. it's a theme that runs through it all. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them again, actually, because we're like yeah. almost giving this almost like a fresh impression of this relationship as it evolves, whereas we knew how Maddie ended. I can't yeah. remember where this gets to. We get the scene of them in the bedroom, which is quite a sad married couple scene where yeah. they're about to have sex and then she's doing her exercises and he kind of loses interest and he kind of just fizzles out. He's just looking at his dick all the time, yeah. Yeah, his little curl. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a really strange uh, little update that is anyway. But I, but I, I also kind of like the quirkiness of it as well. Yeah. Like the quirkiness of her because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm getting to know a little bit about her a little bit. But it's just like the yeah. way that he is about it because like it really reminded me of the scene where like way back with Caroline Quentin when he's wearing the heart monitor. That's House of yeah. Monkeys, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, well, it's come full circle with Mrs. Meldrew. But yeah, like the, it really reminded me of that scene where he's sort of worried about his body and using sex with Caroline Quentin to kind of check his heart monitor and stuff. And same thing with Polly, but he's the one being dismissive now. So I kind of like that a little bit, but yeah. But I mean, there's nothing major in this. It's just the similar notes that we've already picked up on. She says, you're not living in the windmill anymore to him. Yeah. It's like, you know, he doesn't need reminding of that. He knows. 
Also, it's the thing we called back to you as well earlier. Is that it's a drug, isn't it? We're never going to wean you off. Horrible. Why is it a bad thing? Unless he's gone to her and gone, please help me. Well, that's the thing. If we got a flashback or something where, and we're kind of inferring that, he said this ruined his life. Yeah. And therefore, the comparison to a drug is relevant. Yeah. Because it destabilized his 30s. Yeah. Like, it just didn't have a, a meaningful relationship. Yeah. And that's the oh. thing is like, that's that's a really interesting thing to do if you go, oh shit, like treating his past life as almost like something he needs to get over. And like, you know, he's broken down and he's asked her to help him get over it. And, you know, he keeps going back and you know that it's a bad thing for him. Uh, yeah. But we didn't get that. Yeah. And we, and we, like, you, we don't know. Alan Davis, as good as he is as Jonathan Creek, has never had to have that kind of acting scene. No. <laughs> They robbed him of that. Whether that's because he can't handle it or not, I'm not going to say. It would be a weird scene, but I would love to see if he was just like, she went up to the room with all his magic and he was just having a breakdown in it. Yeah. The cool thing about that is it's almost like in a similar way, maybe in a similar way to like how I first watched Mad Men. You watch it through when you're 24 and you're like, this guy is cool. What a legend. Mad Men's fucking cool. Don but does what he wants. And you're like, then you, it's only when maybe as a, once I got into my 30s, I was watching it back going, this character from episode one, from the first minute you meet him, is a horrible fucking bastard that just makes everybody's life a misery. And then the way that you look at what Don Draper does then, you are a lot, way less enamored with him and everything that he does that's good is tainted for you because that's the way that you're meant to read it because he is horrible. And even when he comes up with these lovely ideas, you're like, but what, at what cost? You know, and what cost? But and, and I would love it if that's what mm. you know. It made us feel about Jonathan when it was just like, at what cost? So we, yeah, we got him solving these mysteries, but at what cost to Jonathan's you know life, soul? I think it's the problem of the show going on for too long, mm. and in between, it straddles a big sea change in the quality and the writing of TV. Yeah, where. Through shows like Mad Men, Sopranos, The yeah. Wire, we've got really used and we were weaned onto very psychologically rich characters. Were it's absolutely fine. Yeah, Jonathan Creek was characters as functions. Yes, and it's a procedural. It's not meant to have that psychological depth. Yeah. We've gone away, watched all this stuff, been spoiled, recalibrated to expect that. Yeah, and then we're coming back, and then a bit sad that this doesn't have that. Yeah, or but that's the thing though. I'm not necessarily sad it doesn't have that. I'm sad that it doesn't really know what it wants to do because if they, if we were coming back to this and it was still series one with Maddie and they were going around solving mysteries in the exact same way, I'd be fine with it. But that's not what they're doing. Like, Imagine if the next one came back and it was just, it was like an episode of The Wire or something. It's just <laughs> had that level of psychological complexity and it's him trying to track down Maddie and it's just... But I pouring his heart out. I almost think that I hope it goes back the other way because right now it's kind of straddling the two. It's straddling, you know, trying to be this drama, straddling trying to be a comedy, and it's straddling and it's fucking forgotten that it's meant to be a procedural mystery. 
but I almost would love it to go with back magic. to like with magic. I would I would love it if if we ever see it again. It goes back to just fucking route one. I'm solving a murder, and none of these people exist other than in this 50 minute episode. And afterwards, they go away. I don't care. Like, and there's no Jared Christmas. And there's no Jared Christmas. I'm fine with it. I'll be fine with it. There are other contenders you might want to consider. For example, the Orlando Crenby Centre, a possible Eurosceptic, we thought, in the John Major government. <clears throat> On the next episode, a kidnapped victim teleports around a small British village in the curse of a bronze lamp. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.